Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor of Variety. Today, my guest is Craig Hunnigs, president of Disney Television Studios. After a 20-year career at Warner Brothers, Hunnigs was tapped to lead the largest TV production operation in Hollywood after the merger last year of Disney and 21st Century Fox. In our wide-ranging conversation, Hunnigs details the thinking that went into the decision to keep three separate imprints under the Disney TV umbrella, 20th Television, ABC Signature, and Touchstone Television. Hunnigs is a respected dealmaker who leaned on his goodwill in the talent representation community to navigate big changes in the way Disney pays its creative talent. It's been a process of moving people from profit participation deals that are often fraught with conflict to success bonuses based on hard numbers, as Craig explains it here. Craig Hunnings, president of Disney Television Studios. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you. You oversee the production units of the industry's largest portfolio of television series, I think by a wide margin. Um, and that is a familiar position for you because for many years, for, for 20 years, you were with Warner Brothers Television Group, a senior executive rose through the ranks there when Warner's was the undisputed, uh, you know, largest provider of television. Obviously, in the last couple of years, a lot has changed in the industry. Disney acquired Fox. Putting those two companies together has created, it's an, it's an understatement to call it a television powerhouse. And you, working with Dana Walden and Peter Rice, are the linchpin to, to really making sure that all of, these, all of these companies run and run effectively and communicate with one another for the betterment of, <laughs> of television and for, and for the Walt Disney Company. You came in right around March of 2019, just as the deal was closing, just as the, as the Disney-Fox deal was closing. What did you find most challenging or most time-consuming about the process of just bringing three large television companies, ABC Studios, 20th Century Fox TV, and Fox 21 Television Studios? What was the biggest challenge of bringing those under one roof? And, and coming up with strategy for managing the incredible volume of production that you now have. Dana and I talked quite a bit before the merger about how we wanted to run the three companies. And we were very clear, both of us, independently and together, that we wanted to have three studios. We felt like coming into this new, to the new Disney, the new combined Disney and Fox, where we had four meaningful networks, ABC, FX, Freeform, Nat Geo, plus one large streaming service, Hulu, and another one on the way, Disney Plus, mm -hmm. that to service the needs of those networks, we were going to be best served to have three studios, three creative teams, each with their own set of talent relationships, each with their own talent rosters, each with their own relationships with agents and representative, each with their own taste and creative filter. We felt like we would get the best product that way. And what we didn't want to do with what we anticipated to be the need to grow to as many as 100 series at any given time, we didn't want to turn into an assembly line. We wanted to keep what 
we believed were the virtues of studios like Fox and Warner Brothers, where everything felt handcrafted, where the teams had a manageable number of projects and talent that they were working with so that they could stay close and supportive of all of them. Um, and, and, and so to fit the three studios together and have them feel both collaborative and, and like they were all part of the same team while still maintaining their own identities was probably the challenge. That was the biggest challenge coming in. Uh, I didn't have a relationship with most of the people at the studios. I, I had grown up at a studio. My relationships coming into this new into the new Disney were with the network heads. Carrie Burke and I have known each other for many, many years. John Landgraf, similarly. Craig sure. Irwick and I had worked together. Tom Ashheim mm-hmm. and I went back a long way. Now Tara's arrived, and you know that's been a fantastic new addition to the team also. Um, so I, I, I had to get to know those teams. I had to encourage them to have feel like we were all part of the same, the same, the same team. And at the same time, I wanted them to each have their own sense of independence. And, and so to find that balance, I would say was the challenge. Um, and the most important thing at any studio is for the talent to feel supported, nurtured, cared for, because ultimately the lifeline of a studio is the talent that we attract. And so we need, we needed to do, we needed to get connected among the three studios, but again, without the, without the talent losing the sense of connection that they had with their own team, and I think what we've achieved is it feels like a big playground. If, if you come to Disney, if you come to Disney Television Studios, you are, whether you're at Fox 21 or 20th Century Fox Television or ABC Studios, you are a home studio to those four networks, to those two streaming services, and we've made it possible and we've encouraged people frankly to work across studios so we have many many projects where we have writers at 20th or abc and they're working with producers or writers at fox 21 so we i believe we've created the best of all of all possible worlds you know the benefit that i came into was you know when i came into the company is i you know i was working with and for peter rice and dana walden there are no better television executives than the two of them. And I've worked for many and with many. Mm-hmm. Um, we had strong, strong studio teams creatively in production and business affairs. And as importantly as anything, more importantly than anything, they, they all three studios had really strong talent rosters and we supplemented them and we've added to them. And frankly, some people have left, but I, I, I really, I feel, I feel incredibly, fortunate that I walked into such a, you know, such a strong situation with so many people that I've come to know and admire on all levels, creatively, as business folks, as producers. Um, You know, it's just, it's, you know, from, uh, you know, from my perspective, it's been pretty easy, honestly. 
you kind of you kind of got to my next question, which is: is it is it possible for the companies to share resources? And you know, do you do you prize kind of communication among the teams so that people know what the other is working on, or do they operate a little bit more competitively? No, every all three studios know what's going on at each of the other studios, or each studio knows what's going on at the other two studios. It's we're an open book. And that's an important value that I have, and I know Dana shares it. Um, one of the strengths that I discovered about 20th Television is that there is exactly that sense of openness at the studio. And um, people feel emboldened and free to speak their minds. There are no repercussions for speaking up. In fact, it's the opposite. It's encouraged. And I, what I, what I wanted to do was to spread that ethos across all three studios and make it the culture of Disney Television Studios. And I think we've been successful at that. And part of that, again, is for the three studios to share with each other also. Um, and it's it, it was a, you know, something that had to be learned. But the muscle memory is there now, and we've got we've got them all work, you know, all three studios are working really, really closely together. I, I, I have to believe that John and Bert and Carolyn talk to each other every day. They talk to them. They talk to each other as much as they talk to the networks that they're selling to and the agents that we're, you know, that, that we're, that we're um, sourcing talent from. And that alone, like that level of communication and information, it gives you guys you know, a level of understanding and probably kind of foresight into what's coming in the marketplace that is probably, re- you know, really invaluable in terms of having just that level of intel and, and, a, and an environment that encourages sharing. Yes. And we're trying to, and we're trying to have that same sort of open communication with the Disney networks and platforms also. Um, there, There's nothing that's sacred. It's not it's not the sort of classic relationship between a studio and a network. It's very much a partnership. And that was one of the important things that Dana and I talked about coming in. You know, she, she oversees networks and studios and we wanted those relationships to feel like partnerships. I talked with John Landgraf at length about that when I arrived and he and I agreed on the same thing between FX and our studios. Ricky has been the same way with Disney Plus. Craig Erwick and I have, you know, he and I talk every day. I talk to the heads of all the Disney networks every day, and they know everything that's going on. And they're very open sharing with me, um, you know, not just, and, and it's not just what they have in development and what they have in production, but I, you know, I feel like we get insight into what's working for them and what's coming next and what talent do they want to work with and who's on our roster that's most important to them or who's not on our roster that they like us to go out and bring into the company. So it's, it's, really, it's really kind of remarkably harmonious. It's a, there's a strong sense of partnership and collaboration across our studios and with our studios and, and the Disney networks. And at the same time, we are selling, you know, pretty aggressively outside the company too. Um, we have sh- we have development at four shows on the air at Amazon, Apple, HBO Max, USA, TBS, NBC, 
um, Fox. We have many shows at Fox. They're a mm-hmm. very, very important partner to us. Right. Um, CBS. I mean, we're in business with just about everybody. And, and you know, that's important to us as well because we want our talent to feel like if there isn't a home for what they want to develop at Disney, that we are an equal opportunity supplier to every other network and streaming service. Do you, of course, we're talking about all this production right now. There's not a ton of stuff actually before cameras. Has there been anything about the downtime of the coronavirus or the pandemic conditions, anything about working remotely that, that you think that you've learned and that will, that will like continue on long term in terms of the way you work, you know, whether it's um, post-production or the way your executives work? Do you think like that this period is going to change, like fundamentally change the way people work for the long term? Um. I think it remains to be seen. We've all learned that we can work at home and be effective. We've all learned that we can stay connected to our teams and to talent and to the networks remotely. Um, I think we've all, we're all working as hard as we ever have. And at the same time, we've become more efficient. Um, you know, we've, we've put into development dozens and dozens of new series. We've signed many new writers to overall deals. We have kept writers rooms going on many shows. And, you know, the great success story for our studios during this period has been animation. You know, oh, we sure. Have, yeah. We have, I believe it's 10 series now, 10 animated series in production. And those haven't missed a beat. I mean, there's nothing about a pandemic that keeps us from creating animation we had to learn how to do it a little bit differently everyone's working for home from home and our recording sessions are different um but it's all working i mean i that that was that's that's something that that i really loved when i came to when i came to disney or when i came to 20th was just the incredible animation um, company that they have you know that started with simpsons that moved on to bobs and family guy and that now includes Solar Opposites and Central Park and The Great North and Bless the Hearts and many, many more shows coming up. I, I just, I, I feel it, it, it's programming that I personally love. And to get to know that team and our creators across all of our animated series and to watch it continue to grow both in volume and in success and in quality during the last 18 months has been truly one of the most exciting parts of doing this job. And, um, you know, Dana and Peter have been enormously supportive of it as, as has been Disney, you know, they're big believers in animation, <laughs> needless to say. And yeah. I think they, I think they love the fact that we're now bringing, you know, the right kind of adult animation into the company. And it's mm-hmm. been really, really exciting. Credit to Marcy Proietto for building a really dynamic animation business. I think we have 11 series now. You have been very much a leader in an effort to have a a true summit, you know, maybe perhaps as hard as peace in the Middle East, but, uh, you know, trying to come together with representatives for talent, the, you know, of the many of the top talent that are, that are under the Disney umbrella now and talk in a really holistic way about a new way new ways of compensating creative talent 
that acknowledge the, ch the many changes that the industry has gone through and the fact that it's no longer, you know, so much of television is no longer a September to May 22 episode world. That is, that is not new news. That is old news. But the pay structures from the three-inch thick Writers Guild of America master contract to the traditions that have governed compensation formulas in, in what is, you know, a very, can be a very lucrative industry for creative talent, those formulas have not changed in decades. Of course, anytime you're talking to people about money, that's going to be a touchy conversation. I know you can't talk specifics, and, but in the broad strokes, would you say, how have those conversations been received? And do you think that there is anything like a conventional wisdom coming up about you know, the old ways are changing in ways that are in ways that are that are making sort of these compensation formulas almost obsolete in many cases because of the way shows are produced. Are people are people willing to have that conversation with you? Oh, yes. Yes. Now we're approaching it. We're looking for a way. To create winning formulas all around, um, we want our creative talent and success to be compensated as lucratively as they have been in the past. And um, I'd say that we're there. It's not just that the conversations have taken place, but we've introduced a new way of sharing and success that has been accepted across the industry. Um, it is a part of every deal that we enter into now. And that's been true for the last six, nine months. So, you know, we've made the transition. You know, if you think about it, TV production is really about creating, it's always been about creating brand defining hits for networks, driving viewership, um, allowing the networks to earn ad revenue, and more recently bringing in subscribers. And what's changed is that Net, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or HBO Max or Peacock or even just the large entertainment companies that have multiple networks and streaming services like Disney, um, the way we distribute our content has changed. And it tends to be that we're distributing it across our owned networks and platforms, routinely, globally, and for very, very long periods of time. Right. And to create flexibility around that and not find ourselves in endless disputes with talent and reps, which is the last thing we want. And frankly, the last thing I think they want, we had to come up with a different way to share in success um, and to account to them for success. And we've, we've achieved that. It's, it's, you know, we used to talk about profit participations and now we're talking more about success bonuses and there, and there are many metrics that we're using to measure success from the longevity of the show to the viewership on the show to whether or not the show is winning awards so it's fairly nuanced and show specific uh, and at the same time it's not tied to this you know it what is it become an increasingly ephemeral notion of Profits. Back it's, just hard to, okay. it's just hard to define what that means on a show when a show is living within an ecosystem like Netflix or Amazon or across the Disney platforms and networks for long, long periods of time globally. 
Um, and, and, and so we've made, we've made that transition. We still have partners who are buying our shows in second windows domestically. We still sell a lot of our programming to international networks around the world. Um, but increasingly it's becoming more about the Disney networks and the Disney platforms. Again, it's, it's, it's no different than, than what the tech companies like Netflix and Apple and Amazon are doing. It's the same, it's a version of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Would you say again, I wouldn't ask you specifically who, but was there one deal or one deal maker on the artist representation side that, that, that one deal that you made that kind of became a shining light for others or was it n- not that? Oh, you're going to get me into trouble. I'm not going down. <laughs> no, we talked to, we talked to all of the big lawyer, all of the big law firms, prominent lawyers and agents in town. And, um, you know, it would have been easier if we had just talked to one and tried to work out a deal that then spread across the industry. But there's a lot of strong, there's a lot of smart, strong-willed, highly opinionated people in our industry. So we had to work with all of them. And we got there. I, I, I think they all know that I think they all feel that this is a this is a fair outcome, um, and some of the older deals that we have, where folks still have profit participations, are now asking us to transition over to the bonus formula. It's Thank more predictable. It's more. It's you, you. You get paid more quickly, and you know what you're going to get paid in success. And people find that, and and many of our creators find that very appealing. I think it's a testament to you and your approach that my phone did not blow up with screaming lawyers because believe me on things that were less sort of seismic shifts for the industry there has there you know they're definitely not shy about hearing complaints from talent reps about the big bad studios so again to your credit let me ask you. The, uh, well, I think I just, I, you know, I, th- I think it was important to all of us. And, and you know, this was really within our company, something that Peter and Dana and John Landgraf and Eric Schreier and I um, spent a lot of time on. And we went into it feeling like to make this happen and to stay talent friendly, we needed to be generous. And, you know, that is do what we're trying to do we have to have close and trusting relationships with writers with people want obviously people we need to have people want to work with us so we crafted our we crafted the way we came at this with that front and center that was always front and center does this feel right does this feel fair mm-hmm. and i guess maybe that's why your phone didn't blow up Cynthia yeah that those those are as guiding principles those are pretty good for for you know for any kind of a deal making let me ask you the sort of a the, the question related to that which is a also be, you know become an industry wide sort of concern is how in the in a world where content more content is living for longer periods on disney platforms or platforms like a Netflix or an Amazon, where again, you have long license terms and you don't have the opportunity for off-network syndication that used to be the primary source of, of certainly a primary source of studio profits. How do you value 
content these days? How do you, how do you determine the value of a Mrs. America or a, or a, a, a show that you pr- produce for a third party platform that may be on their in their ecosystem for 10, 15 years? How do how do you how do you make those calculations these days in this changing market? Yeah, it's very different. And I, 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 you know, when we're producing inside the Disney company, our focus is, are we, are we making programming that brings an audience to one of the Disney networks that brings, and with that audience, subscriber fees and advertising revenue, you know, it's, it's, it, and, and, and in the best case, we're creating shows that help define those networks. And when we reach outside the company, we're trying to do the same thing. Um, the business terms just need to be thought through a little bit more carefully. You know, when we're working with Apple and they and and and, and a show that we create for them is going to live globally on the Apple service around the world, then we need to make sure that we get paid upfront and success. And they've been they've been great partners. Amazon's been a great partner. Um, you know, working with the broadcast networks and cable networks around town in some ways financially gets a little bit more challenging because the revenue streams that we counted on to make up our deficits and turn us into profits um, are not as consistent as they've been. You can still knock it out of the park, but it's just there isn't the consistent baseline that there used to be. And and so we are, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we're adapting the way we think about those parts of our business. We're not shying away from it. We're just cognizant that it's increasingly a hit-driven business. And in the past where even shows that didn't succeed long-term might have carried um, relatively minimal risk, they carry more risk now. So when you're, you know, we tend to look at, and it was the same 10 years ago when I was at Warner Brothers, you look at what you're doing on a portfolio basis. You look at all the shows you're developing and producing, the overhead you're carrying, the amount of money you're spending on development, and then project what you think ultimately based on history and, you know, and, and, and the kinds of success rates you've had in the past you know, calculate, you know, what you think, what you think you can turn as a profit every year now and into the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a, I'm, I'm sure that's always been an art, more of an art than a science, but a little bit of both. Well, it's a little we'll bit see. of both. Yeah. Would, you, would you say, do you find that, uh, you know, that the metrics that you use internally for Disney and Disney product, do you find are, is, are there commonalities with how you would negotiate you know, value proposition or a bonus with an Amazon or a Netflix? Are people looking kind of at the same metrics or is it very different depending on where you're doing business? Um, I think we're, we're, when we're working outside the company, as of course this would be true, when we're working outside the company, um, there's more of a focus from our corporate management on when and how and if we can turn a profit on the shows. When we're working inside the company, if we can create a hit show for Hulu or Disney Plus or ABC, much is forgiven. <laughs> um, so, so that doesn't mean that we're profligate. In fact, 
you know, the one of the, one of the arts of, of all of this is when you're working inside a company and the value of creating a hit for a sister platform is so outsized, um, you know, there's a tendency or a temptation to spend whatever it takes. And, you know, what Peter and Dana look for us to do is to not let that happen, to make sure that we're managing those shows just as we would otherwise. But again, on the revenue side, on the sort of profitability side, if you're creating a hit show for a sister network, that kind of takes care of itself. You know, I've got a P&L, Johnny, Carolyn, Bert, and I all have a P&L we have to hit. So I don't want it to sound like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's all kumbaya. You know, we've got we've to report profits and we have to hit our numbers. Um, and I think that, that, you know, that's always top of mind for me. But I also feel, and um, I know Dana shares this feeling, that if we create great shows, if we create great television, you know, it'll all take care of itself. For sure. Uh, for sure. Good. We, good you know, we have a, a really, way of rising. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a really valuable library and, um, you know, I, I, I feel really good on all, by all accounts with how we're performing, uh, as a, as, as three studios over the course of the last year, including, including against our, our P and L. I, I, I think it's a, hopefully it's a source of pride for Peter and for the Disney company as well. Have you had to make any adjustments given this coronavirus moment that we're in? I mean, in terms of like long-term forecasts, has it, has it been that significant to date? Yeah, we, you know, certainly it's impacted this year, 2020, our fiscal year. Um, Our results are different because we had to shut down shows. Um, there was a cost associated with that. There were shows that we didn't produce. Some of them, we, 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 some of those that were early in their life, we actually saved money. Some of them that were valuable, um, you know, by producing fewer episodes, we made less money. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but it's, uh, from, you know, from a, from a forecasting perspective, looking out into 2021, it's hard. It's tricky. You know, we've run many, many scenarios, all of them based on different start dates. When are we going to go back into pre-production? Are we, right. going, are we going to be able to produce a full complement of episodes? Are we going to get as many new series as we would have expected in the past? Um, are we going to convert as successfully from development to production as we have in the past? All of that depends in large part on how successfully, when and how successfully we can get back into production. And that's, that's unknown. We're heading into pre-production on 10 series this week. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those are in Canada. Some of them are in LA. We'll be branching out to the East Coast and Chicago and starting up shows in those um, parts of the country soon. Uh, if all goes well, you know, our hope is to be back into production on most of our series by late fall. But, you know, again, there's just a tremendous amount that we can't control. I think we've created as our studio, we've worked really hard over the last couple of months on safe production protocols to make our sets and locations as safe as possible for our actors and directors and crew members and everyone everyone who works in, you know, if you think about it, it's a pretty tightly packed environment. Right. And, and, um, 
and most everyone can wear protective equipment, but not our actors. And so keeping everyone safe and healthy um, is, is no small challenge. And we've worked really, really hard to figure that out. And over the past month or so, we've been in deep discussions and negotiations with SAG and the DGA and the IA and the Teamsters to come up with a standard set of safety protocols across the industry. And we're pretty close to getting that done now. And I feel I'm not a medical expert, obviously, but I've talked to many, many, many of them over the course of the last the last couple of months. And I feel like we've come up with as good a plan as you possibly can. It's difficult for us to create a bubble like the NBA has done. Right. Um, you know, I, I think we can create a more contained environment perhaps than some other sports leagues. Um, we're not traveling, we're not moving in the same way that those leagues do, but it's, you know, it's, it's, Time will tell. We're going to learn as we go. And the number one thing, the number one consideration for us, and this is inherent in the, in the values of the Disney company, is keeping people safe. There is, that is, that is the, the number one priority. And at the same time, all of our crews, all or almost all of our cast members want to go back to work. Many people desperately need to go back to work. They have bills to pay. They have mouths to feed. They have mortgages. They have school tuition. They have kids in college. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Yeah. So Don't we're all we trying all? to, yeah, exactly. So we're all trying to find the right balance. You know, we're trying to find the right balance between creating optimum safety and at the same time producing television in the only way we can do it. Yes, we will use more virtual or remote, you know, production techniques, but as an industry, we're not there yet. You know, we can't produce like um, they produced the Mandalorian. You know, we're just not there yet in, 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 in technical expertise and infrastructure and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just too expensive to do that. But it is one thing we're looking at, and that has been hastened by the pandemic. You know, it's, it's caused us to think a lot harder about how we can produce differently. Yeah, a lot of, the, a lot of those conversations going on across town. Yep. Craig, my, my last question for you here is, I know that recently you have unveiled a rebranding of the three studio imprints. Um, yes. You talk about the sort of philosophical decisions that guided that. Yes. Um, we just, we, we, we're heading into a new future as part of the Disney company. And we wanted the names of each of our studios to reflect both the heritage of that studio, but also, um, amplify sort of the creative um, power and heritage of Disney. Uh, so ABC Signature, ABC Studios is now going to be called ABC Signature. There were actually two labels within a ABC Studios. There was Studios and Signature. Signature, we feel like, stands for something broader. ABC Studios felt like it was, it was a traditional studio attached to a broadcast network. In ABC, that studio, Johnny's studio, is doing so much more than that. 
that we that we that we're transitioning over to ABC Signature as a statement to the creative community that we are producing all across the Disney company and outside as well. Twentieth mm-hmm. um, Century Fox. It just felt funny to have the Fox name as part of <laughs> as part of our studio, and um, and at the same time that was that is a studio that has a tremendous, almost unparalleled history of success. And we wanted to reflect that. So we kept the 20th name and most people in town just call it 20th anyway. So it's not a big change. But if you think back across the wide range of programming they've done over the years from X-Files to Glee to 24 and The Simpsons and Modern Family and the list goes on and on, um, we felt like we didn't need to make a big change. We just decided to drop the Fox part of it and go with what, again, the way most people already talk about that studio. The one that we made a more significant change to was Fox 21. We felt like just calling it 21 didn't mean anything. So we looked into the history of studio labels at Disney and plucked out Touchstone Television. And, um, you know, that's a powerful legacy Disney brand that existed across TV and film. It stands for quality. Um, And it also sends a message that we're all part of Disney. You know, we're all part of Disney now. Right. Touchstone is an important part of the Disney heritage. And we felt like that was just the perfect name. And Peter and Dana, um, you know, really championed that idea. They were very solicitous of our feelings about it. But, you know, they, as they sort of talked us, talked burden me through it, we were like, okay, yeah, that makes, that feels good. That feels really good. So, so I'm really proud and, and um, we're, we're Disney television studios and we have the same great creative teams, production teams, business affairs folks. Um, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a new day. And I think the names reflect that. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. Yeah.